Well, just turn to Haggai chapter 1. I just want to remind you real quick of what we've already covered, and then we'll read our text starting in verse 8. Remember, we looked last week and we saw Israel had been delivered from Babylonian captivity. And the king of that day had given them and told them to go back to Jerusalem to build the temple. And when he did that, he gave them all the supplies they needed to build the temple. But then a neighboring people, the Samaritans, came and tried to befriend Israel and say, hey, we're just here to help you. But in reality, they were there to get authority and control over them. And when Israel would not allow them to partner with them, they began to spread rumors and accusations about them to the point that Artaxerxes, the king of that day, made a decree that Israel had to stop the work of building the temple. They had built the foundation and they would built the brazen altar or the altar of sacrifice. And so when we come to the book of Haggai, we saw last week that 16 years has passed. We know from what we study in the book of Ezra that the Samaritans stayed in great uh, affliction upon Israel. And therefore, out of fear, for 16 years, Israel did not go back to rebuilding the temple of God. And remember what Haggai came to say. He said to them, consider your ways. Give careful thought to what you're doing here. And when he said that, he was drawing a line, if you will, of a place of obedience or staying in disobedience. Now, I've entitled this message, Obedience at Work. Now, what we're going to do is this morning, we're going to look at verses 8 in the beginning part of verse 12. And we're going to see here the pathway of obedience. And then tonight, when we come back in the gym... We're going to look at the fruit of obedience because I want to tell you something. God's going to turn the tables on Israel because of their obedience and God's going to take a heavy hand off of them and God's going to begin to manifest himself in a unique and mighty way. We'll see more of that when we get to chapter 2 as well. So I want us to look this morning at this, this obedience and how this obedience came to be in the nation of Israel. So if you would please stand in reverence to the reading of God's word. Verse 8. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? because of mine house that is in waste. And you run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, upon the mountains, upon the corn, upon the new wine, upon the oil, upon the, that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon the labor of the hands. Let's pray. Father, I just pray today that you would just speak to us in the realm of this subject 
obedience. And Father, we would see the glorious, glorious fruit that comes out of obedience. But Father, we'd also see the consequences of not being obedient. And Father, I pray that you would glorify yourself and how you speak to us, what you say, how you do it, for your honor, for your glory, and for your name's sake. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we look here at this passage, I want you to look first at the revelation for obedience. The revelation for obedience. Now you say, preacher, what do you mean by that? Well, here, here's the thing. If faith is hearing from God and trusting God in what he says, then where does obedience come from? Obedience is an outflow of faith. In other words, I would say it this way. Obedience is the results of true faith. In other words, if I am not trusting God, if I'm not walking by faith, listen, I'm not going to be obedient. Because where does faith begin? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. So in other words, what do I know what to obey? What God says. And what God says is what I'm to obey. Well, if faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, how can I walk by faith and not be obedient? The two are absolutely joined together. I mean, you can't have one without the other. So if I am walking by faith, I'm going to walk in obedience. Now, what happened with Israel is God went back to Israel and he said to Israel, a new command. But listen, it's not a new command. But yet it's new to them in the realm that God is now reissuing this command. God's given them a fresh word about what he's already said. And what is that word? Go, go, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build this house. So in other words, God gives a revelation. Now, they have everything they need to obey. God said it. Now all they've got to do is receive it and obey it. Now, notice a couple things about this revelation for obedience. The first thing is the mercy in the revelation. Now you say, what do you mean the mercy in the revelation? Because, listen, when God came back to them, what was he saying? When he said, go up and build this house, here's what he was saying to them. I'm giving you another opportunity. Remember, 16 years it went by, and they did not lift one finger to build the house of God. And he said, now, I'm coming back to you in mercy, giving you another opportunity to obey. Now, how many agree? If God wanted to, he could have took those people out, raised up another people to do what he wanted them to do. And Isn't that what he did in the wilderness when they went into Canaan? God literally removed one generation, raised up a whole another generation. Why? Because the first generation walked in unbelief. Would not believe God and would not trust God and would not obey God. And so here is God. He comes back in mercy and he now reissues his, his statement. He reissues his command. He reissues his revelation. And he says, now, go up. Cut wood, go to the mountains, grab the wood, haul it back, and build the house of God. Now here's the difference. When God told them first to build the house of God, the king had provided all the materials. But now, guess what? They've got to go cut their own wood. Now why is that important? Because here's what's important. God in his mercy will give us opportunities to obey when we haven't obeyed. And you better be glad of that, say amen. But at the same time, listen, if I've walked in disobedience for a period of time, 
sometimes for me to obey, in this case, may take longer to bring forth what God has commanded me to do or may entail a lot more work. In other words, there's consequences. But yet God in His mercy has given them another glorious opportunity. Now you say, why is this the mercy of God? Well, remember this. When they neglected to build the house of God, they were not neglecting a building. They were neglecting Him. Because what was the purpose of the temple? Well, God said in the Old Testament, God said in the Old Testament, I'm only to be worshipped, and I'm only to be fully worshipped in the temple. Why? Because that's where His presence is. Can you worship God where He's not at? And his presence was confined to what? The holy of holies of a holy God. Therefore, the sacrifices were the worship unto God. And God's presence made the sacrifices sanctified. And so God is saying, listen, you've neglected me. You've not neglected a building. Listen, folks, I, I want you to hear me. It's not this building that is holy. It is the God that's in the temple's you and I, that allows wherever we are to be holy ground. And so you and I need to understand, listen, it's not a matter of neglecting a building. It's a matter of neglecting God. Because God's designed worship to be of such that we worship the way God says to worship, not the way we think we to worship. Now at the same time, because God lives in me, guess what? In the New Testament, I can worship wherever I go and whatever I do. But God also commands us to come together. At the same time. So here is this glorious picture of the mercy of God in Revelation. He comes back to him. He says, listen, go. Go up to the mountains. Bring wood. Now, this may surprise you. It may shock you. I don't know. But remember, what is he saying to them? Go up in the mountains, cut the wood, and bring it back to Jerusalem and build the house of God. This may shock you, but they didn't have Mack trucks back then. I mean, you understand what God's telling them to do. I mean, you talk about hard. You talk about cumbersome. You talk about being difficult. But God in His mercy has given them an opportunity to obey. Aren't you glad today that sometimes God gives us more than, more than one opportunity to obey Him? Now, notice the second thing. Not only the mercy in the revelation, but the mandate in the revelation. In the Hebrew, this is an imperative command. Now, you say, what do you mean imperative? It means God's saying this is something not to consider, not to pray about, not to contemplate, not to reason, not to have a meeting about, but this is something in which I say, therefore do. See, here's what we tend to do. God's trying to speak about a will in, in our life or a way in our life. And here's what we do. We mull it over. And as we mull it over, we start thinking, all right, now what's the benefits of doing this and what's the consequences if I do this? And we start going through this litmus test of positives and negatives. And, and, and maybe, maybe, you know, listen, I mean, the negatives outweigh the positives. Surely God wouldn't say that. And, and then we go through all of this, and we begin to reason, and we begin to discuss, and we begin to reason, and we begin to discuss, and then we come up with this, this excuse, well, we all need to be on the same page. Well, where's that in the Bible? 
And then we go through all of this that we're going to try to make a decision whether we're going to obey God. Hey, i got news for you. If God said it, God said just obey it. Don't reason about it. Don't pray about it. Just do it. This is the mandate of God. Now, let me, let me give you a quote from an old British preacher from the 1800s. Listen to what he said. Faith is believing in spite of evidence. And it's obeying in spite of consequence. Well, let me say that again. Faith is believing in spite of evidence. Even if you don't see the tangible evidence of how in the world this is going to work or how it's going to happen, God, if God said it, you're to trust him in it. But not only is faith believing in spite of evidence, faith is obeying in spite of consequence. In other words, if I'm obeying God, it don't matter what the consequences are. Let me give you, let me give you an illustration. How many of y'all ever heard the story of Jim Elliot? Raise your hand. All right, just a few. All right, so let me, let me recap real quickly. Jim Elliot was a missionary. And Jim Elliot had a burden for a tribal people. Uh, down near, you know, not too far, a couple, three hours away from Ecuador. And Jim Elliot had this burden for this tribal people. Now, here's the problem. God gave him the burden. Would y'all say amen to that? All right. And so Jim had this burden for this people. But here was the problem. Every missionary that tried to go to this tribe never came back. They killed them. Every one of them. And so in obedience to the desire God gave him, Jim Elliott got himself and three of other friends on a plane and flew down to this tribal people. And when he flew down to this tribal people, he landed, and when he landed, guess what happened? They took spears and killed every one of them. Now you say, well, wait a minute. He must have missed God. Oh, no, he didn't miss God. He obeyed God. In other words, Jim Elliott came to the place in his heart, this is what God told me to do, and because God told me to do it, I don't care if it makes sense or not, I'm going to obey it. Now, you say, well, how do you know he obeyed? Because listen to what came out of it. He's trying to awaken them to the fact, hey, what you're doing is not right. And then he's trying to tell them, hey, listen, you need to turn from what you're doing and obey me. Go! Now, here's the thing about repentance. We think repentance... It's just saying, God, I, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. That's not repentance. That's the beginning of it. But that's not full repentance. What's full repentance? What was going to be full repentance for the children of Israel? Would it have been full repentance if they would have went back, started rebuilding it, and then all of a sudden consequences came their way again, and they said, oh, we can't do this. Has that been repentance? Repentance is a change of mind that results in a turn of course. And the fullness of repentance is what? When you finish what God says to do. Let me give you an example. Pharisees came to John the Baptist. They said, hey, we want to be baptized. I mean, you're baptizing all these people. We want to be baptized. John says, oh, no, I can't do it. And, and then, you know, in, in a very loving way, as a loving preacher, he said, you generation of vipers. <laughs> Boy, that'll bless you on it. And what do he say? You've got to first bring forth the fruit of repentance. What does that mean? The evidence of true repentance. And unless you bring forth the 
constant evidence of true repentance, I will not baptize you. Because John the Baptist understood that repentance was not just saying, I'm sorry. That true repentance in its essence, by definition of the word, is a changing of the mind that leads to a turning of course. And so what God was commanding them is go, obey. But for them to obey, they had to repent first. Now there's some things God may put on your heart that he's not told you before. And if, he, and if he's not told you that before, you don't have to repent of it. But if God's put something on your heart that you've not obeyed him in, and then God in his mercy and grace comes back and reinstitutes that command to you, in his mercy and grace, here's what he's saying. Now repent from what you didn't do, and now obey what I'm telling you to do. Y- y'all got that? Say amen. I, I mean, it's real simple. Right, so, so what we see here is we see the revelation of obedience. Now look at the second thing, the results of obedience. Watch what God says in verse 8. He said, go into the mountain, bring wood, and build the house, and I will. Now you have two I will statements here. I will take pleasure in it. So what's going to please God here? Obedience. Now you say, wait a minute, preacher. You've told us time and time again that what pleases God in us is Christ. It is. But let me ask you a question. When is Christ manifested through us? When we're obeying. And so the the reality of it is this. Listen, it's what he was telling Israel. He said, if you will obey me, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take pleasure in that. I'm going to be pleased. Now, this is important for us to understand. What's the model prayer? How does it read? Hallowed be thy name. Father, hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? Honored, holy, lifted up, holy, hallowed, honored is your name. Let me ask you a question. Am I honoring the name of the Lord if I'm disobeying him? Jesus said of himself. He said, I do always those things that please him, being the Father. In other words, everything Jesus did, what was it? One step of obedience under another step of obedience under another step of obedience under another step of obedience. You say, why didn't Jesus ever tell a lie? Because God's not a liar. Why did Jesus not steal? Because God's not a thief. Y'all say amen. So in other words, how did the Lord Jesus live? One step of obedience after another, after another, after another. He said, I do always. And listen, you better be glad he does always what pleases the Father because if at one time he would have not done what didn't please the Father, he could not have been our sacrifice. I mean, you better be glad of that. Listen, Micah chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. The prophet comes to the people about their obedience and about wanting to be pleasing to God. And listen to what he says to them. This is an amazing passage to me. He said, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? And shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? In other words, he said, do you think that's going to please God if you bring one offering after another offering after another offering after another offering? See, here's the thing. We think that pleasing God is just giving a token visit to the church every Sunday. Y'all say amen. Hey, let me tell you something. Here's what he's telling Micah. He's he's saying through Micah to the Israel, he said, listen, you can bring thousands of lambs. You you can offer your firstborn son as as a sacrifice unto me. But none of that pleases me if you're not obeying me. 
You say, how do you know that's what he's saying? Because listen to a fraction of the next verse. The next verse, here's what he said. He said, so the Lord showed me. Oh man, what is good? What is it that pleases you? And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and love mercy and walk humbly before thy God? That's what pleases him. Psalm 147, verse 11. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that what? Fear him. Proverbs 11.20, They that are forward heart are abomination to the Lord, but such as upright in their ways are His delight. Hebrews 11.6, Without faith it is impossible to what? So if faith, the outflow of faith is obedience, and I cannot have, I'm not walking in faith if I'm not obeying, then guess what? What is it that pleases God? Faith that produces obedience. This is what he's saying to Israel. He said, if you'll just obey me, if you'll just go up to the mountains and bring the wood and build my house, he said, I'll be pleased. Notice second, not only the pleasure of the Lord, but the praise of the Lord. I will, there's another I will statement. I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Not only will I be pleased. Oh, listen, I'll be honored. I'll be lifted up. I'll be honored. Uh, among who? Among the, the, the nations. What was, what was the thing about the tabernacle and the temple? God's presence was there. And, and listen, he would manifest that presence. So what would take place if Israel obeyed God and built the house of God back? God said, I'll be honored. I'll be lifted up. I'll be glorified. You remember those Samaritans that's caused you to stop his work for 16 years because you feared them? I'll even be glorified before them. Let me ask you a question. Is the world watching us? What glorifies God more? Me reasoning in my heart a way not to obey or me unconditionally giving myself to obedience? The world's watching. The world's watching. You say, well, preacher, I think you're reaching here. Well, listen to the words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine. Who's the light? Jesus Christ. So who are you letting shine? Christ in you. So let your light shine. For what reason? Who do you let it shine to? Before men. Who's the men? Those of the world. That they, being the world, may see your good works. You say, well, preacher, I can't do any good works. It's all Christ. It is. But guess what? When you're obeying God, Christ is working through you, and guess what comes out of you? Good works. That by thy good works and glorify your Father, which is in what? In other words, the world will look at you and say, wow, boy, they're, they're faithful. I don't know what they believe, but boy, they're all in on it, whatever they believe. And then, here's what's going to happen. They're going to walk up to you and say, you know, listen, Donald, I've been watching you, and you, you, you're kindly different. I mean, you really are. I like it, but you're just different. I mean, what, why are you like that? Then what happens? You'll be ready with an answer. He says, you'll glorify me. You'll lift me up. You'll honor me before men. All right, look at the third thing, the reminder to obedience. 
Look at verse 9. He goes back and he reminds them of what happens when you don't obey. So he's going to remind them that he can get them to obey, but he's going to do it by showing them what happens when they don't obey. Watch what he said. I mean, it's really an amazing thing. He first begins with the unfruitful work, uh, results of disobedience. Now, notice, he just said the results of obedience. He says, he says what happened? I, I, listen, I will be honored. I will be lifted up. I'll be pleased. He said, but if you don't obey, here's going to be the results. Watch what he says. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I didn't blow up on it. In other words, let me put it to you this way. He said, you, you went out, you sowed, and you sowed, and you, and you hoed, and you hoed, and you, and you planted, and you planted, and you watered, and you watered, and you weeded, and you weeded. I mean, you just, you just gave yourself, oh, goodness, you just worked so hard. And, and, you, and then all of a sudden, you went to gather in the crops. And as you gathered in the crops, oh, glory, we're going to have a good harvest this year. And then when you get to the barns, it wasn't there. And so what did you do? Oh, you said, well, boy, I tell you, we just, got, we just got bad luck. I mean, it's just bad luck. I mean, if we could just catch a break, and it could just rain a little bit, and if we just get a bad weather season, and, and, and listen, we just need a good weather cycle, and we could bring in the crops. God said, no, no, you don't understand. He said, the reason you don't have anything to show for your labor is because I, God, blew up on it. I caused it to be unfruitful. You worked yourself to death, looking, expecting a good fruit. And time and time again, what'd you find? Barely enough to feed yourself. Notice, secondly, the unfailing resolve and disobedience. Why? Why did God blow up on it? Can I tell you something? Now, y'all going to let me say, man. God's resolved that he will not bless disobedience. And you're not going to change God's mind. Watch what he says here. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, the Lord mighty in battle, the Lord of the armies. Why? Why did you blow upon it? Because my house that is waste desolate, and you run in every man into his own way. Therefore, the heaven over is stayed from dew. In other words, not only did it not rain, I didn't even let dew fall on it in the mornings. And the earth is stayed from her fruit. Now watch this. Notice the depth of this resolve of God uh, to be... To, would not allow them to be fruitful. Watch this, verse 11. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of thy hands. Let me ask you a question. You think God's serious? And you say, well, why would God tell them that? I mean, he's just, he's discouraging them. Oh, no. This is Mercy. You say, why is it mercy? Because listen, here's what God does know. God knows everything, and God knows this about us. We'll never, ever seek for a remedy to our need if we never, ever see we have a problem. Can I tell you the greatest thing God can do for you in mercy is show you your need? It's the greatest thing God can do. 
And so in his mercy, he's reminded them. Why? He's trying to bring them to a place of repentance and and a place of obedience. And and he's trying to help them. He said, listen, look, 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 just take a look. Now remember, before, I'll be pleased, I'll be glorified, but instead, what are you doing? You're working yourselves to death and you're not bringing forth anything to result. Nothing. Well, look lastly this morning. The response of obedience. Look at verse 12. Let's see if God got your attention. Y'all want to see? Say amen. Amen. Watch what he says. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, that's the way it's pronounced, and Joshua, the son of Hosedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet. So did God get their attention? Now, I want you to listen. Look, look a couple things with me. A united obedience. So who obeyed? All of them. You say, well, preacher, it's not all of them. It says the remnant of Israel. Oh, listen, what's that referring to? Remember, most of Israel stayed back in Babylonian captivity. They didn't even come out. It was only the remnant of Israel that came out. So, so how much of the remnant of Israel obeyed God? Did the leadership obey God? Isn't that amazing? I mean, look at it. I mean, let's start with the leadership. Look, look, look first at, at, the, at the authorities over the people. I mean, listen, Zerubbabel, listen, most Bible historians and scholars will say, yes, he identified himself with Israel as their governor, but really didn't have the, the faith of Israel. But yet, however he was in, in, in his condition, he obeyed God. And it says Joshua, the high priest, obeyed God. Now, I'm going to give you a great practical lesson. Are you all ready for this? Say amen. If the leadership don't obey God, the people are not going to obey God. Notice the people's obedience was a response to the leadership's obedience. I'm going to give you the best advice I could ever give you in your home. Are you all ready for this? Say amen. Your kids or your grandkids. Your kids and your grandkids will do ten times more by what they see than what you say. If you teach your kids that obedience is not important, then why in the world do we complain when they get older and don't obey? I mean, seriously, guys. How in the world can I teach my son the Word of God is important and I don't ever study the Word of God? Oh, I can tell him. You know, listen, Connor. You you just need to understand. I mean, the Word of God is is paramount to your life. You've got to study. But can I tell you what Connor's going to do if I don't ever study? In his mind, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't ever hear you studying or see you study. Now you say, well, preacher, you're putting it off on the family. You've taken all responsibility off yourself. Oh, let me just bring it right down to myself. If I'm not going to obey God, I grieve and quench the Holy Spirit in this church. 
And so you don't think I'm trying to shuck responsibility from me as a pastor. Let me just lay it out. There's a judgment for the pastor that's greater than any judgment for anybody else. God holds a high standard to those he calls. Are y'all hearing me? Say amen. You and I need to understand that what made their response so unique is it was a united obedience. Why? Because it began with the authorities over them. Now notice the second thing, the acceptance of the people. It, it says, and the remnant, what? Obeyed the voice of the Lord their God that came by Haggai the prophet. What does that mean? They accepted what God had to say. In other words, God said to them, consider your ways. Think about this, Israel. I mean, you're, you're taking everything and putting it in your own house. You're leaving my house desolate. And think about think about your ways. Really think through it a minute. Let me remind you of what's coming out of that. What do you have to show for that? What do you have in your barns? What do you have in your crops? Hey, let me remind you that in mercy, I'm giving you another opportunity to obey. I'm going I'm to be pleased if you obey. I'm going to be glorified if you obey. And then he says this. Now go. What do people do? Well, I tell you what. Haggai, you, you've told us what God want, wants us to do. Um, now, let me pray about it a little bit. Now, I want you to listen. Y'all going to love me? Say amen. Y'all promise? Say amen. You, you promise? Because this, this, this is going to be a strong statement. Most of the time, let me pray about it as a cop-out to disobey. If God's already said it, I don't have to pray about it. Well, I just need to think through it and get the mind of God about it. Well, let me tell you something. God's already gave you the mind about it. If God says it, it's over. See, here's what God does. God gives us his word to filter through all the clutter and the chaos that goes on in our minds and our lives. Now, listen, can I, can I tell you what would happen to every pastor in America if this happened? Listen to this. Every pastor in America, let me tell you what's going to be the outflow. If every pastor in America stood up and said, all right, in context, that's first, y'all say amen, in the truth of God's word, consistent with what God said, they stand up and say, all right, God says that we're all to do this. Okay? And every person that hears him obeys. What's going to happen to that pastor? Well, you're going to be using that defibrillator out in the hallway. Y'all say amen. But can I tell you what happened here? All of them obeyed. Why? They accepted what God said. As God said it. God said it, they said yes. That was it. It was that simple. I mean, it's amazing. And what happened? Now, listen. Notice lastly, in this response, it's unconditional obedience. Not only united obedience, but unconditional obedience. We say, what do you mean? Notice they didn't put any prerequisites around this. It says they obeyed the voice of God. It doesn't say they obeyed the voice of God as long as the Samaritans stayed away from them. 
In other words, it was unconditional. God, you, you, you said it. We're going to obey it. I mean, listen, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. We, we don't know what these Samaritans are going to do. I mean, we don't know how this is going to work. We don't know what's going to come out of this. But God, you said it. We're going to obey it. I mean, you, you got our attention. You showed us. I mean, the, the unfruitfulness of our own hands. You showed us the sin of our own self-centered ways. You, you showed us all that. And God, we, we've, we have. We've neglected you. It's not a building we've neglected. It's you we've neglected. We chose not to worship you. Instead, we chose to have our own safety and our own happiness and our own provision of a nice house that are sealed and roofed. God, we chose that over worshiping you. And God, now we understand and we're just going to obey you. Unconditional. You say, preacher, are you saying that we can walk in unconditional obedience? I'm saying to you this. It's the only obedience God accepts. How, how, preacher, can I do that? Here's how. Listen to, listen to how God made you. And listen to what God did when he saved you. Just that you can be obedient. Just that you can be obedient. Are you all ready? Say amen. amen. All right. How many agree obedience begins with a revealed word from God? So what God give you? The Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, the things of God are foolishness to them, neither can you know them. But by the Holy Spirit, you can discern all things. So let me ask you a question. If you're saved today, do you have the Holy Spirit? If you have the Holy Spirit, can you discern the will of God? Okay, so God gave you the ability to discern. All right, how many of you agree that obedience is not something I can do separate from Christ? So guess what? God gave you the life of Christ. So when he gave you the life of Christ, now he, he gave you the life of Christ that when you obey God and you give your hands and your feet and your mouth and your ears and your eyes to the things of God that God tells you to obey, guess what happens? Jesus becomes the enabling power of your life to be able to obey whatever God says, and it don't matter if it makes sense or not. All right, so now you have discernment to obey because you have to have a revelation. You have the ability to obey. All right, what if I don't obey? Through the Holy Spirit, God gives you conviction. So therefore, if I don't obey, God convicts me and shows me that I'm not obeying. So he's gave me the Holy Spirit to discern his will. He's gave me the ability to act upon his will and obey his will. And then if I don't act upon his will, in other words, I just miss it, I blow it, I've had a bad day, I didn't listen. And God, what does he do? He convicts me and shows me I'm not obeying. You say, is that it? Oh, no, that's not it. How many agree you're not going to obey if you don't have a desire to obey? So the Spirit of God is your desire to obey. So in other words, the Spirit of God gives you a desire to obey. He gives you light to understand how to obey. He gives you the enabling power of the life of Christ to obey. And then if you don't obey, God convicts you and shows you you're not obeying. So you asked, you asked yourself the question, can we unconditionally obey? Are y'all hearing me say amen? Oh, I could go on. What, what, if, what if I disobey the con conviction? Oh, well, God treats you like a, a father treats a son. You, you say, what are you talking about? Well, the Bible says that, that if I don't obey, God as a father, loving father, lovingly corrects me, chastens me, that I'd come to the place of obeying him. I mean, listen, guys, I could sit here and do this all night long, or all day long. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you obey, it's because of what God's done in you. If you don't obey... It's because you chose to operate against all God done for you. Y'all say amen. amen. 
See, it'd be one thing if, if, if you say, well, well, preacher, you're saying, oh, obey. I, I don't have the power to do that. I, I'm not gifted to do that. I, I can't do that. Well, can I tell you something? If you're saved today, you, you are gifted at it. I mean, when God called me to preach, I went and told my wife. She laughed at me. <laughs> Did you, didn't you, Lisa? She's back there in the sound booth. Oh, yeah, she did. You say, why'd she laugh at you? That's me. Oh, no, she's just, she, she's smart. You say, why'd she laugh at you? Because, listen, I do announcements, and I'd say, uh, about 42 times. I could, listen, I had two great fears in my life. You want to know what they are? Heights and talking in front of people. And God says, I'm calling you to preach. <laughs> you You nuts. <laughs> I mean, that's what reason would have said. I mean, if I'd have went through this thing of the checklist thing, all right, I, I can't speak in front of people. I can't hold two words together and make a sentence. I, I flunked English. Y'all want me to keep going? Well, listen, I, I just didn't hear from God right. But here's what I found out. First time I stood up to preach. First time. Had never taught a Sunday school lesson in my life. Never. First time I stood up to preach, God enabled me. Why? Because I'm special? Oh, no, I'm just a donkey. Why? Because God said it. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. God always provides where he guides. So here's your invitation. Very simple. Very simple. Is there anything in your life you're not obeying God in? It's that simple. And if there is, tonight we're going to look at the glorious fruit that comes out of obedience. Oh, it's awesome. But right here, is there anything in your life that you're not obeying God in? If there is, why don't right now, right here, repent, confess, and say, here I am, Lord. All that I am belongs to all that you are. I surrender it all. Please stand. You obey God.